Welcome to the barn cast. Just gonna talk about stuff sitting in the barn cast. We're with friends. With all of friends. Barncast. Barncast. <laughs> welcome, welcome, one and all. To season two, episode twenty-four of the Burncast, Venkatre for our francophones. Uh, this is a bilingual podcast, so I hope you brought all your French. Uh, my name is Ben Drew, and I am joined by Mark Davis, special guest, special guest, and another very special guest, all the Super way, super special guest, yeah. Josh Litvin, all the way from Halifax, all the way from Halifax, via NYC. Now what? And then, what, and then uh, NYC. What route did you take down? Did you take the uh, valley or the, the south shore? The, the optimal, the, the optimal, optimal route. What Google told you? I, to. I used, I made my own custom algorithm <laughs> to get faster than the Google route. No, I, I have no idea how. There's I got only here. two choices. Yeah, there's, there's really, I took some highway for three hours and. Yeah, was there lots of ocean or farmland? No ocean. So farmland. Farmland. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you took the valley. Uh, and as always, this podcast is brought to you. This here podcast is brought to you by Heritage Brewery. Beer so good it'll make you say, mmm, you sure do got a pearling mouth. So, so this Love week, uh, we are sipping on the strawberry rhubarb wheat. Um, this is a Canadian-style wheat beer that was conditioned with generous uh, additions of locally grown strawberries and rhubarb. Distinct wheat beer flavors combine with a slight sweetness from the berries and a slight tartness from the rhubarb for a refreshing treat. This beer is very cloudy since they don't filter it, uh, and they use real locally grown fruit, and you might even find a little piece of rhubarb in between your teeth. That's how uh, fresh this beer oh, is. Oh, that's what it was. I, I, I forgot to floss this morning. <laughs> yeah. Just don't take any family portraits after drinking it. No, I... It's a good beer. I, I, was, I was sitting with Jason, who, who, who brews there, and, uh, and I just I always assume it's a sour, and I hate sours. But then I tried it. I was like, no, this is not a sour. Like, it's nice. It's kind of sweet. Mm. It's like drinking uh, strawberry rhubarb pie. pie. Yeah. Good old pie. That's what I always wanted. Yeah. Let me smell it. Yeah, take a little whiff. Feel like you're back home on the ranch? Yep. <laughs> Back in my strawberry rhubarb <laughs> garden. There you go. It's a good thing to grow together because they go so well together. They do. You can't so, really have one. With, well, you can have strawberries without rhubarb. But I feel like you can't have rhubarb without strawberries. No, I need something yeah. sweet. Yeah, sweet. Right. Get rid of that bitter. Uh, I actually hate rhubarb. And I don't really care for strawberry rhubarb pie or crisp or anything like that because the rhubarb is too much. But this beer is actually quite nice. Uh, I feel like that's some something everybody grows, but nobody really knows what to do with. Yeah. Give it to Heritage, I guess. Yeah. At least you can drink it later. I, I've seen a recipe for rhubarb ketchup that I've been meaning to try. That sounds unpleasant, but <laughs> if you add a lot of ketchup to it, or uh, sugar. A lot of sugar, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the only thing you can do with rhubarb, yeah. a lot of sugar. Yeah. Or it's like It's like sour celery. <laughs> like nobody likes celery, and then they... They make it worse. Sour. Yeah. <laughs> they make it worse. It's like, How can we make this tasteless vegetable even worse? <laughs> make even it real appealing. bitter. Yeah, it can evolved. Make it bitter. 
It was like it's like branched off from celery. I don't know anything about um, that's if celery were a Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, celery. Rhubarb celery evolved the... into rhubarb. It's yeah. like people things keep eating me, so I'm gonna get really <laughs> sour and unpalatable. This neutral taste just isn't doing it. Well, it's kind of like the marketing for for rhubarb is similar, I think, to like Corona, where it's like Corona, a beer that's only good if you buy something and add it to it, like with mm. a lime, you know. Yeah. Throw a lime in it, it's delicious. Right, you have to. Yeah. And a little pinch of salt. So it's like rhubarb. It's Whoa. only good if you make it sugary or mix it with better fruit. <laughs> <laughs> if if anyone actually advertised rhubarb ever. <laughs> yeah. Imagine trying to advertise celery. That That's a hard sell. Yeah, yeah really. Do they even sell rhubarb at stores? Like, I've, Oh, 100%. Do they? They okay. have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. They like, give it to you for free if you buy it. <laughs> they chicken. pay you at the checkout line. <laughs> buy a roast chicken, get some free rhubarb. No, it's like Nobody's they, buying it. They catch you shoplifting, like your punishment is you take this goddamn rhubarb. <laughs> eat it. You take it, you take it home and you eat it. It's like the, uh, the oil now, right? They're like paying people to take oil. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's negative price. Oh, yeah, for cars. I was going to say. They're giving away olive oil. Like, <laughs> no, that oh, is, yeah, no. That's Different still kind of a hot oil. commodity. Okay. Uh, so, Josh, tell us a bit about yourself. What do you do? What brings you uh, down here? There's uh, so many questions. Oh, my God. So many, so many questions. Well, uh, I'm here because of this man, this beautiful man in front of us, Mark Davis. He said, you got to come down here as soon as you are out of quarantine. And I took my time. Exactly two weeks plus some random number of days. I made him wait a month. I'm extra careful. Yeah. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure that I was, you know, totally corona free. Mm-hmm. We gotta protect Yarmouth. We didn't have any cases. Right. Yeah. Can't. So I don't want to be the guy that Well, you're you're coming from the, the epicenter, right? Where yes. are you coming from? For the last three and a half years I was living in the epicenter of that's that's what we call it now. We don't call it New York City anymore. It's just called the epicenter. That's what we'll always call the, it. The melting on. pot of Corona. <laughs> that's right. That's where they. That's where they brewed it, and that's where uh, we all got our our free booze on. But uh, yeah, no, I was there for a long time, and then I said, "Enough is enough." I was working at a startup, and then I quit my job, moved back to Canada. They let me in because they're very nice at the border, which we'll get into. All right. And uh, yeah, and now I'm here and now I'm relaxing. I'm trying to get as far away from civilization as possible. Well, you yeah. came to the right place. <laughs> you came to yeah. the right town. This is as far as I could go, basically. Yeah. I just kept driving and then I was like, well, that's the ocean. Yeah. So, so uh, were you, so when did you come back to Canada? Was it just in the past month? Or? It was uh, July 4th. Okay. The, the, the birth. The birthday of the United States. You're like, suckers. That's right. I timed it. Perfectly. So what what was life like in New York during that whole outbreak? Uh, it was uh it was kind of like the five stages of grief. Okay. You know, where you're like, this isn't really happening. And you think at first you just like don't know. You you, you kinda hear things and then it's weird because what you hear in the news or what you like hear story wise versus like the day to day are two very different experiences. Like day to day, it's it doesn't seem besides the fact that you're wearing masks, you know, it doesn't seem like the epicenter of, you know, the outbreak. But then you hear all these stories like body bags, you know, in Brooklyn and, you know, all these things that they're you know, all these hospital like workers are just like freaking out. You know, like and, mass uh, graves on different islands and stuff. Yeah. And you're like, shit, oops. Um, 
but yeah, so it was, you know, it's kind of like anywhere else. You, you're, you're, it's like, it's more of an existential threat than a sort of day to day one. Um, but yeah, beso- I mean, there were definitely like, you could feel like the tension um, during the day. And then at night, it was just a ghost town, which is pretty wild uh, to see in New York City. Like, it was the most interesting um, version of New York that I had seen. I mean, I'd, I'd lived there for years and this was like the first time where, you know, you're seeing things being boarded up and, you know, looting was happening like right in my neighborhood. I was in Soho. Okay. So it was like pretty wild. Um, just experiencing all that. And then, yeah, at night, you know, they, they had curfew for a while, which is pretty weird. And like, you know, police officers everywhere, like telling you, you know, if it's past eight o'clock and you're out and about, they like tell you, you like, you have to go home and, yeah, because I guess you were there also for the Black Lives Matter protests. And... Yeah, I was I was kind of there. That like that was right at the end. Um, that that started happening, and then they occupied uh, City Hall. Yeah, at the very end. Um, so I, I kind of that was like, I I saw that, and I was like, all right, I'm ready to leave. <laughs> <laughs> this place is just too, yeah, over the top. It, it was it was a pretty surreal moment when you know I had a mask on, walking like in you know soho and there were like just protests happening like the street over and you know every stores were boarded up and cops are everywhere and you're just like this is just a day like a, 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 like this is just happening all this the is time tuesday like yeah it's, it's just you know every day is just like okay this is happening now yeah, um, yeah time to get out of the states that was my feeling and really what what kind of convinced me was the fact that there's uh, it's an election year yeah so by the time november rolls around uh i think it's just gonna get like i could see it it's it's gonna get worse before it gets better 100 percent. it's gonna take a while so because yeah i mean they're even talking about like on the night of the election they probably won't be able to determine who won right like there's yeah there's with, a whole bunch of with the mail-in and all issues with the, yeah the mail-in like voter fraud there's all this Either both sides are going to claim that like, oh, they won and no, like, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a mess. Either yeah, way. everybody's suspicious of each other. Well, right. Yeah. So it's like, so there's, there's just a lot of, you know, when, when the, the virus first came and, you know, everything was locked down. The first thing like we did was, you know, you, you get provisions, right? So you like hoard up on food and, and water because like, for all you know, there's just going to be like you, you don't know what's going to happen to the supply chain. Yeah. Um, so not not toilet paper and lacroix. <laughs> uh, actually, it was funny. Um, for like months at this uh, like uh, drugstore that I that I go to, there they had no toilet paper. Like it was the one thing that they were actually out of like <laughs> all the time. Yeah. And th- that was sort of an interesting phenomenon. Um, it's like very, you know. It, kind of goes into human psychology and like how we're so like i don't know like mass hysteria can sweep a society and 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 like just yeah take over yeah i don't know if it's my google searches but i've been getting a lot of um ads for bidets lately oh yeah how about you guys (laughs) yeah maybe i maybe i say that word during the day and my iphone's listening to me you know why are you saying that word bidet what a beautiful day it's like it's a it's a great day bidet yeah Maybe it's just mishearing you that thinks you say bidet instead of today. No, no, I've definitely I've looked them up, I've thought about it. Yeah, apparently it's uh, it's great. 
I've never experienced it, but that's a that's a one thing I don't hoard. Like before Josh came to visit, I toilet paper. <laughs> oh damn! Um, Here, some sheets of loose sleep. Well, I, have a, around. I have a washroom out back, and I was like, oh, there's no toilet paper. So maybe there. this coronavirus is all just one giant conspiracy by the bidet manufacturers. Yeah, yeah, Mitsubishi is uh, that's getting, what it is. Getting big in the yeah. bidet game. They're like, we know people are going to hoard toilet paper. It's just what they do mm-hmm. during during a a viral epidemic. And they were right, and we bought, we played right into their hands, boys. Yeah. So uh, speaking of Japan, Mitsubishi. Oh, yeah. Nah, Mitsubishi's not linked into this, but did you guys see the story about the sixty-foot robot, uh, like a week or two ago, taking its first steps? Oh, that's I, I didn't, but I I'm intrigued. I didn't even know there were like ten-foot robots, <laughs> let alone sixty. Now this this story is definitely clickbaity. Uh, I was like, what? You see the picture, and it's, yeah, it's a 60-foot, it's uh, like a humanoid robot, and it's fashioned after, like, the Gundam mm. uh, TV oh, yeah. show. So they're trying to make Gundams. A real thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't they fly in space? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> they're not first... there yet. Right, okay, yeah. one just step. First, first just, step. Just first step. Yeah. You got to start somewhere. One yeah. small step for a Gundam, one large. Third yeah. step, space. Right. In the video, what it is is, like, this thing, A, the reason why it's not it's, – it's cool. It looks cool, but it's, like, hooked up to scaffolding, right? So it's actually – it's not standing on its own, first off. Lame. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. If it can't even and stand and is up. it, like, hooked up? <laughs> it's, like, hooked directly into the power grid. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. And then it just – The houses nearby are going out. And then it just lifts its leg, like, its knee up, and then it just swings its foot. It'd be funny it if it just, like, down. collapsed. <laughs> yeah. now, now, can we do a quick pause? Can you show us this video? Because – I. I think our reactions would be better if we could, if we could see it. Wow, it does look cool. Oh, it definitely looks really cool. Uh, some some nerd just screen. got way too much funding. Sorry, you can't see this on the podcast because we don't have video. I'm not sorry, and we get demonetized, <laughs> but we make no money. Yeah, that actually literally just looks like like an episode of Gundam Wing. Yeah, so we just. It just lifts up his leg and swings it and then sets it back down. Wait, but that was it? That was it. Wow. Wait. They don't realize. They just need six high school students with Power Ranger suits to, to build something like that. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm confused. I, I, have, I didn't see it do anything. It just, uh, it, all it does is lift up his leg. You might have. How many years did they waste? Oh. Oh, okay. There it and, is. And also the footage is sped up. <laughs> right. So it's not even going as you know. This reminds me of my grade eleven robotics video that we made, where we tried to pretend that the robot actually worked, <laughs> and we're like, "Look, check out this cool animation!" And it's like we're like speeding it up to make it look actually functional. Yeah, they could the, barely move. Definitely, their investors are wondering where that like five hundred million went. <laughs> yeah, like oh look, it can uh, lift up its leg. <laughs> It's muted because so it's practical. it's muted because it's so loud that people fifty kilometers away are complaining. <laughs> what, what, what's what's the what's the end game here? Do you we spend a hundred thousand dollars on WD forty to make it look that smooth. Um, and so yeah, the entire ro- a robot, including his head, is twenty five tons. So like, I mean, the idea is is like that's whatever, and and the likelihood of them getting it to be fully functional in a realistic timeline is not there imagine if they did though purpose purpose is purpose know, police why not giant police, police. giant police that can <laughs> step <laughs> on protesters like so japan has, has looked at 
the United States militarizing their police force. And then like, <laughs> so, no, that's oh, you like, got a bunch we, of guys with tanks. And, why use tear right. gas when you can have a <laughs> giant <laughs> Gundam coming yeah. to like resolve a step on the whole town resolve square? Resolve domestic <laughs> yeah. abuse. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's and I think it might partially because I know like after World War II, there's a lot of limits to the army that uh, Japan can have. They're not allowed to really have an army. Uh, so basically because we've forgotten the fine print, yeah. no Gundams <laughs> shall be built on the, like, on, oh, the, on the island of Japan. They're like, well, we found a loophole, guys. Been thinking about it for 60 years, and we figured out we yeah. can build a Gundam. Yeah, Gundam with murder machine guns and lasers and larger specs. Um, so we don't have to worry about that, though. That's a long way off, as you saw. Yeah, from I think their, I'm not too worried. Their demonstration. I don't think they don't even have ships big enough to, to bring that across, do they? No. No. Yeah, if it were if it were actually functional, if it were actually functional, then I would be terrified. Oh my god! Yeah. Then I'd be like, oh, like Japan is is going to be the new superpower. Yeah, and and that's the thing is like you don't even want your own government to develop that technology, right? Because like especially once they get AI clicking and this thing can start thinking for itself. Like, you don't know where that road leads. Or if they never give it AI. Does it have a brain? It. No. It can, it can only lift his leg. It definitely doesn't <laughs> have a brain. <laughs> I mean, it's... It's, it, it, its brain just thinks, lift leg. <laughs> Good. Imagine, like, if they gave it, like, a fully formed, the best AI brain. And it's just screaming, and it's because it's locked in its own body, and it can't do anything. It's yeah. slowly going insane. Yeah, it's very claustrophobic. It's just like... <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> We got to get it yeah. one of those uh, exercise machines so it can feel feel like it's doing something useful. Yeah, got to build it a giant. You know. Yeah, I feel like if I mean, any like, country developed that, though, it would be Japan. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah, they love robots. They love robots. Yeah. yeah. More than more than humans. And they like, you know, is that where Godzilla came from? Godzilla was yeah. a Japanese creation. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to think of the other one. Um, is that like something Titan? You know, do you know that anime series where the like giants attack um, on Titan? Yeah, attack on Titan. Yeah. So speaking of other uh, manufacturing bumbles, is the you guys heard about the troll dolls? I no. I heard this something is... briefly. I thought it was I thought it was like fake news. It 100 percent um, isn't fake news. I don't read it's not that. okay. Um, I thought it was like Wayfair selling children. I thought it was like in the same category. Whoa. No, what it is is a misunderstanding by a company. They're not in touch with the Cardi B <laughs> and uh, Megan DeStallion generation. Well, yeah. Well, I think what it is is like people like over-sexualize things and put their own ideals on uh, things for kids. We'll get into it. But basically, um, so from the new Around the World troll movie or something, they made a bunch of troll dolls. Oh, yeah. I see that ad on YouTube all the time. Yeah. Not interested. Yes, um, the Trolls World Tour Giggle and Sing Poppy Doll. Uh, it seems like a regular troll doll. Do you guys collect troll dolls when you were younger? No. I think my sister did. I would say more like, like I never asked for one, so I would consider it more like my parents it was, collected them. It was like, forced upon <laughs> Yeah, like I never, I never specifically asked for one, but I remember having some around. So this doll is different than the ones we had. So like that, those ones just had crazy hair and... They right. did have butts. They had a little belly they button. Had, they, too. Yeah, they had little little butts. Yeah, they had butts. Yeah, yeah, and a little Which, belly button. And a yeah. little belly button. I don't know what they're trying to teach that us. That was by hot. Showing them, mm. showing them butts to kids. You can't be showing butts to kids. Don't show butts that's to what, kids. That's what these people uh, think. Now, I mean, I, what we get into seems a little problematic, but I do see it also as people putting their own sex spin on things. But it was a, it was a gaff. We'll call it a gaff. 
So this doll has two buttons. It has one on its stomach. Like you, you push it and it sings and whatever. But then it has another button where you have to, <laughs> it's, it's, you have to lift up its skirt and there's a button in between its legs. You have to push it and it giggles and it laughs and goes, woo. <laughs> okay. So, so Valuable it's, life lesson. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I'm, di- I'm digging it. So yeah. What's the problem? <laughs> so so then you had a bunch of mothers that came out and said you were teaching our children that pedophilia is all right and if they are molested it is okay and you were over sexualizing our children right it's a troll is your child a troll so <laughs> i mean that's that's so the question is and so the manufacturers hasbro were like oh shit the karens are riding in like you know and like there's this girl that wrote this strongly worded letter they have like what did they think was going to happen they didn't think so they designed the doll because they wanted the doll to sit on something like sit on your knee okay and if it's when it's in a seated position the button is there right Uh, but when it's standing up the button's between its legs right right oh So, so this is just a giant misunderstanding it's a, yeah, so it's not good planning on part of Hasbro because they're like, well, you know, if it's standing up, you do have to stick your finger between your legs, you know. Like, Which, of course, no one would ever do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, um, but when it's sitting down, you can bounce it on your knee and it's like a Tickle Me Elmo kind of thing, you know. Like, it's just as messed up as a Tickle Me Elmo. But anyway, so they've, they've come out, they've apologized, they're pulling them all out. Uh, they're Got saying, it. we're going to replace your doll with an equal value other doll that isn't like there a There you go. Buy them up now. Yeah. Collector's yeah. edition. <laughs> yeah. That's right. You heard um, it here first. It's the best, <laughs> best investment of 2020. So over 500,000 people signed petitions against this. Like, it became a thing. Wow. But it's cancel culture, so everybody gets excited to take a swing right. at It's just because people have nothing better to do. Yeah, it's like... Well, I could go out and clean up a beach or, you know, I could go march on, you know, my, right. my local I could make government. something in my life. You know, yeah, I could you know, study complain. or I could sign an online petition. I'm going to sign an online petition. I, I guarantee you no child ever once complained about this. Well, yeah. And I, and the thing is, is like children aren't like in that yeah. mindset yet. Like the age group it's developed for. Right. Yeah. Unless you explain it to them, they don't even realize it's like a sexual thing. Yeah. But they're worried that they'll say, well, everyone should touch everyone between the legs. We're like, so yeah. they're worried about over-sexualizing children. Yeah. Sorry, Susie. I'm taking your troll doll. Go, go play but on But then TikTok. you have to explain why. <laughs> yeah. <You have> to, <laughs> go yeah. watch TikTok videos. Why don't yeah, you go exactly. on a child, child beauty pageant, which yeah. is the sickest shit <laughs> yeah, in the world. Go on this pageant right. and go watch Cardi B's uh, new I, video. I, I think the troll is probably going to be the least sexualized thing your child will ever experience in, at this point. Yeah. You know, if the, everything from TikTok to Instagram, I mean, if 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 you if what you're worried about sexualizing your kids is is a troll doll, then um, good luck to you. Yeah, you, you got to go like you know live yeah, move to the, Amish country, live in the woods. Yeah, <laughs> live live in Amish country. You know, get rid of all your electronics. But even they get rumspringa. Yeah, right? so don't let can don't let out. them sit on a horse. Or they might giggle. <laughs> <laughs> the horse giggles. <laughs> <laughs> this horse is sexualizing my child. Um, so anyway, I will say, you know, not smart, Hasbro. You should have known that this would be an issue, but at the same time, I think we get a little too overboard. Yeah, come on, Hasbro. It's 2020. We sexualize everything. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they were just jumping it's, on it's that. It's not just a troll. <laughs> it's a sex doll. <laughs> Maybe they were embracing the sexualization. Maybe th- they thought they were like, you know, 
they were leading the trend. I really hope not. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be Maybe there was just some sick, stay, stay some in your sick lane, engineer. Yeah. <laughs> stay in your lane. Yeah. Why don't you just keep to Yahtzee? Okay, Hasbro? That's a solid <laughs> it's game. It's a solid game. Solid never, game. Yeah, never gets old. Yeah. Um, Although it does sound a lot like Nazi. It does. Got to cancel them. Canceled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Canceled. I heard it was made by a German. Uh, oh, really? Out of the, they out make of... all the board games, though. <laughs> That's true. We got to get rid of all the board games. Yeah. Damn it. And Volkswagens. Nazi car. <laughs> Originally. Canceled. The, the idea of canceling things in general, just like, it really confuses me. It's like, why, yeah, why, why put so much energy into... Why know? give it media attention? If you want to, right. rather than canceling it, how about you just fucking forget about it? Yeah. Just don't forget give it to your about. kid. Forget about it. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that's the world we live in now. Uh, there are real uh, threats to livelihoods and, and everything, but we don't. We choose to ignore those to focus on bullshit. Yeah, it's yeah. not Trivial. ISIS. Did you hear about that, that letter that was signed by a bunch of people that were like, cancel culture has like gone too far? And they're we trying gotta... to cancel it. And then people canceled <laughs> them. People canceled them. Yeah, petition everything. So so they wrote a letter saying cancel culture's gone too far and then the people who wrote the letter got canceled basically oh, like man. it was it was it was written by you know um there was some big it was bit written by li- like a lot of liberal you know leading people like uh, Noam Chomsky those kinds of you know a lot of big names yeah and um people that in the past have actually canceled people like other people yeah like they were into it and then they're like no this is like a monster now and it's you know it's gone too far and then everyone was like, you're canceled. <laughs> Which is kind of like uh, you know, sweet irony. They, they created oh, yeah. the beast, right? And then the beast ate them. Yep. That's, and... that's, how, that's how all like, political movements tend to go. Yeah. As they get more insidious and more you know, purist, <laughs> they, start eating, yeah, they start eating their own. And mm-hmm. then because every faction is like, you're not pure enough. And, you know. It's uh, it's beautiful to watch. Yeah, it's great. You do it to yourself, you do, and that's what really hurts. That's a little Radiohead. Um, so moving on in the news, I, I love this story. And it's that the, the U.S. is calling for shower rules to be eased um, <laughs> after Trump came out bitching about his hair routine. Did you guys see this? What are shower rules? So there are there are no, laws. I, I, I respect no rules when I'm in the shower. No, well, you should respect this one because the rules that were so in in 1992 they put in a rule that shower heads are not allowed to produce more than two and a half gallons of water per minute, which is still a shitload of water you're wasting, right? Like, I mean, we're we're incredibly wasteful with our water. So it's a limit on the on the rate. Of, yeah, of, of water of that's water allowed dispersion. to flow out. Gotcha. Um, and then Trump comes out and he's like, well, you guys, you know, like my routine is, is really difficult. And like he was bitching about water pressure like a couple months ago, too. He was saying about like how like faucets don't run hard enough and showers don't run hard enough. You can't wash his hair. Although his hair looks like it's made of cotton candy. I don't understand why he can't wash it with even like a dribble from a. Bro, there's nothing better than a shower head that's like stings you like the, if you've ever been in like a really high pressure shower where it's just like but yeah i mean you can you can get pressurized shower things that still use the same amount of water you can get diffuse ones that dribble out more or you can just focus the beam you know because okay. like 
Anyway, it's, it's all about not wasting an incredible amount of water because people are showered for 30 minutes. So what he wants to do is apply that limit of two and a half gallons to each nozzle, <laughs> right? So he says, no, let's just say two and a half liters or per two nozzle. and a half gallons, sorry, per nozzle. So, so you could effectively double. Now, is this over time? Like, what do you mean? Like, like, like what? He said per minute. Per minute, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so it's like a, it's a flow rate. Yeah, it's a flow rate. So, so he's saying like take the flow rate and say, I get a shower head with five nozzles. Okay, I and see. then they can each shoot out two and a half gallons. Uh, that doesn't even really make sense from a like technical perspective, because how would how would like how would the the system that's like issuing the water even know how many gallons like, like, nozzles you have? Well, yeah, I think like so. What it yeah, comes down to is. What what they would do is like they would look at your patents, they would look at your factory and check out, you know, test your uh, your shower heads to make sure they fall under these rules. Okay. Time to buy showerhacks.com. Shower hacks. <laughs> shower hacks. Um, so does he just want like you know yeah. <laughs> like a surround system for like showers, just like spraying? He him. wants a touchless car wash in his shower. Right, right, right. <laughs> Don't we? All? Um, because like I mean. Once you start doing that, you could have like just an insurmountable amount of water. Fuck, isn't charge? Isn't just charge more for water? Water's so fucking cheap. Just charge more for water. But Problem like, solved. It's not even the the charging more. It's like there's not a lot of water. <laughs> like right. we got to start thinking. Water conservation, I believe, is one of the biggest things that is going to face before climate change really starts affecting us. I mean. Uh, it's going to be water is, is another big thing. Now, Canada, Canada, we have 20% of the world's fresh water. We're, we're happy. We'll always be happy. But like the United States, like the breadbasket, like those five states, Iowa and all those places that grow all the crops for everyone, they've been working off of this um, underground water supply like it's going out of business. Like it's not going out of business. <laughs> so basically groundwater like that is not renewable. It'll take 10,000, uh, 20,000 years for that water to renew itself. So they're like using up all their groundwater stores. But then I worry because they start bitching, well, why can't we, uh, what do we got to wait till the water comes through you guys, Canada? So we need mm-hmm. them sweet potatoes. Yeah. That's a fair deal. Need them spuds, Iowa. You need them spuds. <laughs> need them McDonald's french fries. <laughs> Greasy but, uh, french fries. Anyway, I'm not going to get way off track on, on, on my water thoughts, but. So is he he's decreeing like a nationwide like mandate? Yeah, like fuck the water. Let's 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 get hoses <laughs> and just run hoses all the time. He just wants Yeah, like, really though. Like well, if you if you ban shower heads that use too much water, just like hook up ten fucking hoses. <laughs> yeah, I mean you you can find ways around it. But like it's just funny that they're 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 proposing this change a lot because of his personal uh, routine in the morning. He's like, I don't find I get enough water. Right. To get this hair to I mean, look like I do. Isn't that why you become president? So that you can personally just like change society for your benefit? That's why he became president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I think he's he's just doing what, you know, any pseudo celebrity that gets a ridiculous amount of power would do. Yeah. So Andrew Delasky, executive director of the Energy Conservation Group Appliance Standards Awareness Project, said the proposal was, quote, Silly. <laughs> well, but he's I mean, like, if, he, if Joe Biden gets in and he starts up The Apprentice again, I know what. Uh, yeah. If he gets on Shark Tank, I know what my idea is. But yeah, his point is like you could have <laughs> increase um, the shower. <laughs> yeah. You could have ten or fifteen gallons per minute pouring 
from a shower head. Yeah. So like, think about it, that's just per minute, and you're in the shower for twenty minutes. No, I take quick. I can take quick. Well, showers. okay. I'm not. I'm not a Brazilian man. I, <laughs> how about this? We just allow each person per shower like a predetermined amount of water, and they can use it, and you can use it as <laughs> long or short as you want. But that's what determines. Yeah, you, can, the, you can either use like the flow rate. five minute fire hose blast, right? Where you're like falling over. You, 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 you get a little. Or like, you get like a thirty panel. minutes of a. You set you set a dial to like highest yeah. intensity, lowest intensity. Yeah. It's just like bucket. <laughs> to, <laughs> To pressure washer, I guess. I yeah. think we just solved we just solved the problem. Wow, yeah. this is go us. Very See, productive. we're just not complaining about shit. We're solving problems. Yeah, yeah. and that's why you're not in the Americas anymore. Speaking of water right. pressure, I'll be right back. All right. I don't know if, if you found any of this. I mean, you are a Canadian, right? Um, technically, yes. Technically, yes. I was checking. I wasn't sure. No, I, I am. Yeah. I would ask you to leave. <laughs> that's that's fair. Um, but there's been a lot of tension at the American border, uh, American-Canadian border lately. That's news to me because when I was there, uh, well, first of all, it was completely empty. So I didn't see much tension. That's fair because I think most people know not to go. Right. But um, is, this, is, this, is this a recent? Uh... Yeah, and it's not so much right at the border. Like it's not like you look right. at the migrant caravan. This is the people that like Mexico. come across and like shop – yeah. Every, every weekend. Or like, like people who are um, like living in the States but are workers in Canada. And, right, right. You know, or they want to head to uh, uh, like Alaska. Like you can drive through Canada mm-hmm. to get to Alaska. But Canadians are, are not pleased about it because we look at how mismanaged it is and how ridiculous a large percentage of the citizens themselves are about everything. You know what I mean? Like it's... It is like a, a mismanagement of, like your heads of state, uh, and like. You mean on the U.S. side? Yeah, on the U.S. side. So what? Are, what are what are they mismanaging exactly? Well, it's just like the incredible rate of corona growing in the states, right? So there's okay. like, so like that would point to like if you look at every other country that has like locked things down and stuff, where. In the states, like they 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 gave into the protest, they reopened everything at the wrong right. time, it they, all they, came back. And the, the, the states has a very fundamental problem with, you know, this kind of authoritarian lockdown, which is that it, you know, goes against their founding, yeah, principles essentially. So they 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 suck when it comes to, you know, following rules and yeah, doing things for society, which is why we don't want them. <laughs> right. So like that's why Canadians are like. Well, you guys made your choices. Like, you guys got your freedom. You know, like, we stayed in our lockdowns. Like, we've got our shit down. Yes. We don't want you here. Canadians are very well behaved. So, when you say tension, what do they get? Dirty looks? Or what does that, no, so what like, does that mean? So, like, they're having, like, people with uh, American license plates or cars being vandalized. Oh. Um, wow. Okay. I, I do have one anecdote, which is the fact that uh, I'm going camping uh, with a buddy next week up in Cape Breton. And uh, the, the the campgrounds called me, and they said um, they just left a message saying, "Oh, we noticed on your um, reservation that you left an American address." And I didn't even think about that because oh, I was yeah, just yeah. like, you know, autofill on my on my browser. But she's like, "You might want to change that because uh, otherwise it might get canceled." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Okay," it was a weird, you know, very very polite way of saying, you know. GTFO, Americans, we don't want you here. Yeah, bro, that's like uh, it's like getting a hotel room in fucking Abu Dhabi with an Israeli address. Mm. 
Americans yeah. are taint, tainted now. Yeah, well, they just had a problem up in uh, Inverness where where some people came in and they didn't self isolate and they had to shut down the uh, restaurant and bar because uh, they didn't wait there two weeks. Mm. And 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 that's what it boils down to is it's unfortunate that we're losing money on tourism. Right. Uh, and in any other time, Americans come on in like, of course, like spend your money. Your money goes a long way here. Why wouldn't you come? But the cost of bailing out tourism businesses is pales in comparison to shutting down Toronto again for three, four weeks. Right. Right. So it's like we are we are trying to do the best we can do, and we've managed. Like Nova Scotia has managed very well. Yeah. Um, I find most places in Canada has managed very well, and people have been following the protocols. When you see like shit going crazy in the States and they're like a thousand people at a chain smokers concert. Like, woo, we're like road up for the weekend. No mask grinding on each other in the middle of like, you know, like everyone like, like it just makes the Americans joke. And why would we want you there? Like mm-hmm. a, the people I know that a lot are taking it serious, but like there are a lot that aren't. And then you have like the top officials, the president, uh, you have lots of state governors. There was a warden uh, or sheriff, sorry, in F- Florida, of, of course, that banned face masks for mm-hmm. his officers and everything. Like, so, like, <laughs> we're sitting here and, like, I don't want to see a Florida license plate up here. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, at this point, our biggest worry is uh, snowbirds from Quebec. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the Quebecers are worse enough, you know? Like, yeah. there's lots of Quebecers that are breaking rules, and that's driving me nuts. Oh, you're in South Beach, you know, there's no laws when you're on the claws. <laughs> You were just you were just waiting to throw that one yeah, in. Yeah, you got to get it in, got to get it in. <laughs> um, and I kind of find it a little fitting that Americans are feeling a little bit of the stigma that they put on everyone else, uh, namely um, Latin American people. You know, like these people are coming in and are like putting us in danger. Like, don't let them in. You know, like build a wall. I'm like, well, now you guys are the dirty ones. Don't come. I, I like it. I'm pro making Americans feel uncomfortable here. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. And, and it's just because you can't trust that they're going to follow the rules. There's loads of fines that have been given out for people who were driving to Alaska, but then went to Banff, went sightseeing, mm. you know, like, right. because they are doing that shit. But I, I don't know. Like, I, I hate to paint all Americans because I think America's like two separate countries or, or maybe even more, but it's like um, comparing like like the southern states um to the rest of america is like comparing alberta to the rest of canada and i and i agree with you and i know and that's why i said like there are a lot of americans that are taking it very seriously you know they're i don't think all all of them are are doing a shitty job but at the same time they let trump happen and i have a hard time letting that go even though like i know part of it's their electoral college and like he didn't win the popular vote but there's a lot of them that didn't vote ensured his victory and i'm like i'm still gonna like be mad at america for that like you put that on all of us not just yourselves yeah you had two you had two choices <laughs> i mean hillary clinton you're really, you really fucked up with it what's that yeah oh i see what you mean like yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like you had two choices you could <laughs> vote for um you know a corrupt uh yeah like an establishment, establishment woman, you know, like, woman or was... you could vote for uh the guy who's gonna shake it up I mean, really, he's just proved that uh, the American political system is a joke. Yeah. He also and proved some that... Pe- and some people like that. American and women, American white women are sexist. None of them voted for the woman. 
Um, there's a, a large, an incredible amount of racism in the states that was brought back to the surface. That's only flourished under Trump. Anyway, I don't. I, we try not to get into politics, especially American politics. Yeah, we politics. could. We could do a whole podcast. About but uh, yeah, I just, I, I kind of laugh when I see these stories that like Americans don't feel welcome, and like I'm like, you were cool with locking up families and splitting up families in cages at the other end of your country. So uh, get your car keyed. I don't really care. Or just don't come, please. Wait till this is all over and then come. We can all be friends unless they reelect Donald Trump again. Then it's over. I'm down with the States. I, I, I don't think, support. I, I think they will. I think they will. And I don't support anybody getting their car keys. Car keyed. And I, and I, and, <laughs> no, I don't, and I don't think you're racist if you vote for Trump. That's my opinion. Well, as the only American in the room, I must defend my honor. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think what we're seeing here is, I mean, I agree. I, I don't think Americans should be, you know, doing whatever they feel like breaking the rules, breaking, if it's breaking, you know, a law, especially if it's another country. Yeah. But I understand where they're coming from because Americans, you know, well, what, what we're seeing really right now is, is a breakdown in, 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 in the system and, and people's trust in the system. Yeah. So when when people don't trust the media, when they don't trust the government, they you can't you can't really you lose control essentially. So it's it's basically people deciding, you know, what's best for them, and you know, it's it's hard I think for a lot of people to even know what's real anymore. You know what I mean? So you've been this, yeah you've been gaslit like. Right, you know, by, like, by, by both sides. Yeah. And America was founded as a fuck you country. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's still a fuck you country, and that's why this is all going on. And I, and I, I respect that, because I think you need, there needs to be a pushback as well. You can't just have, you know, one side say, this is how it's going to go, and authoritarian rule. You need the people to, like, push back on 100%. everything. Yeah. No, so it's, it's a, um, but I, I think, yeah, I, What's what's happening is, like, it's not just America, but it's also the fact that all of these like institutional uh, regimes have sort of become so corrupt um, that they're they they are failing to actually properly, you know, do what they're meant to do. I think if you know if if this government was actually you know working properly, people had some faith, you know, that things were because the thing is the because the rules are changing so much that people just have no faith that, you know, this is what should be done and you have like our best interest and you hear like there's so much corruption that people have no faith in trust in what's happening. So that's sort of, I, I kind of get why a lot of people are saying like, F you, I'm just going to do my own thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is understandable. And it was, it was funny. Like when I went to the Galapagos, uh, I was there basically it was like there was a few Canadians and then it was all Americans and the Galapagos is one of the most ecologically like uh, diverse and interesting places on the planet right uh, and incredibly protected and the people on that trip mostly came from like the Northeast like a lot from New York like because New Yorkers are like are open-minded you know generally more uh, educated and have the our, money to go there yeah and have the money to go there but it was funny because the Ecuadorians are like, they kept saying like, and yeah, your country's environmental policies are like destroying us. You know, like you're one of the biggest threats to us. 
And it was funny because, like, you know, they're paying to go on this thing, and then the workers there, because it is very educational it's with National Geographic and stuff, and they're like, they're being honest. And you feel bad uh, for those individuals because they wouldn't be there unless they cared. You know what I mean? Like, they're not the ones, like, like voting to, to remove all restrictions on, you know, let, let's start mining all our national parks and start, like, developing resources and all these protected areas. But that is what's happening in that country, right? And it is unfortunate that Donald Trump is a representative of that country right now. And I, I actually have faith in the States that he won't get reelected. Mm-hmm. But it's my last dying bit of optimism. Um, I think either way, it's, it's not going to end well. No, it's not. But, like, the, the country is so deeply divided that – but there needs – like – this is something that's going to happen, and hopefully everybody comes out better for it. Everything, you know, everybody comes out closer for it or whatever. It doesn't uh, seem like we live in that world anymore. That is possible. No, I mean, uh, like, tr- the, the, I think what's what's Trump is like a very divisive president, and and he's polarizing, and that's sort of why he won, because the people who elected him, the people that voted for him, they like you said, they, they wanted him to shake things up. They didn't want like, you know, a sort of, you know, presidential candidate. They just wanted this guy who like wasn't, you know, sort of part of the establishment. Yeah. Although, you know, yeah, it's democracy in action. Deeply, deeply, it's like yeah. can can anybody actually get elected or do they have to be like, you right. know, the ruling class? Do you have to visit Epstein's Island before you, <laughs> you know, become president or can you, <laughs> you know, just be a, a TV celebrity? Yeah, and see, like, I guess my feelings is anyone who voted for Trump the first time, I don't really view them as uh, racist or like terrible no, or anything no, like that because, so. like, they were just looking for change, like, and like, like especially in the areas like the swing states that he won, like in Detroit and all these things, like where you see, like, we want something different. You can understand that the desperate right. uh, reach out, but it's the people that continue uh, to support him. Mm. Uh, that continued to go for it while he's so blatantly, and I know a lot of it comes through like misinformation and un- being uneducated and can't really critically think, but it's like, like just all the money going to the wealthy, you know, like he's doing everything you'd think that a billionaire, like self-absorbed sociopath would do. And so it's, th- that's why like my big issue will be like, if he gets reelected, I, I don't think I'll ever go back to the States, at least not for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like because I've already traveled through there since, and I, I feel uncomfortable. But but I know that the original reason for Trump's existence is not necessarily like a damnation on the American people. I understand like the want, but reconfirming that definitely, I feel, would be. I, I think Trump is a product of American culture, and I mean, it's a natural, yeah. the way things are a reflection you know, of uh, People care more about celebrity and wealth than they do yeah. uh, ideas, so... I think it'll continue that way. But I would I would rather Trump in office than someone who's like losing their mind, which Biden clearly is. I mean, you're not voting Biden, you're voting Kamala Harris at this point. And I, right. I, or, I, I or whoever's I wouldn't, behind I wouldn't the scenes. See I see this I don't want to get into all this, but I wouldn't say that Trump is mentally stable either. The uh, fact that he had to take to Biden, it, I would say he the is. fact that yeah. he had to take a dementia test, and then he spends all his time bragging about the fact that he took a dementia test. I mean, Biden doesn't need to take a dementia test. I think any any person with a reasonable mind can diagnose him. 
But anyway. Anyway, I, yeah, I think I think Trump. He's you know got his issues. He's an egomaniac. Yeah, a total narcissist. But at least he's very clear in his position. But, I, mean, I mean, he's trying to turn him into an authoritarian regime, right? And I think four more years of of, of where they're heading is not good. The U.S. I mean, it's hard, the it's US hard is to, fucked. It's, uh, yeah, it's hard to tell. It's it's easy to. The thing that's that annoys me is the fact that everything ultimately like comes down to Trump, as if Trump is this like, you know, all encompassing, all powerful. He's the like problem with everything, and in my mind, there's so much deep, bigger, deeper problems in America that really have nothing to do with Trump. But what happens is that the media just blames him for everything as a kind of scapegoat whether like it's really his fault or not how much control he has over a lot of these things it's you know it's hard to say i think the president at this point has very little actual power in in the united states it's it's kind of just like a figurehead and um what what's annoying is that it seems like you know people use trump as sort of like almost like a you know headline grabber to get people like to hate something, you know, because you're always going to hate the person who's in charge, you know, if depending on what, whether like if the company, if the like society is doing well or not, but at the end of the day, like really it's, it's, it's the deeper problem of, you know, how corrupt the system itself is and how like all of the politicians like don't give a damn. Well, they're all bought out. Right. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. So it's like Trump is like, okay, like, whatever this is not interesting to me really like whether he gets elected or doesn't get elected it's not going to change anything fundamentally yeah i guess the way i see it is like why trump is is so such a symbol is like i find he does reflect some of the the major issues like racism you know like when when we had like those charlottesville things mm. like racism obviously is a deep seated issue in the states as well as canada as well as anywhere that has more than one race. You know what I mean? Like, because like tribalism, where about Japan? Yeah. <laughs> Except Japan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they're, they're just all the same and making giant robots and having a great time. Yeah. But like, but then to have the leader of your country come out and be like, well, there's good people on both sides. Mm. Like, is that type of shit that like, it makes it easy to like, to see that he is like reflecting that back out. Um, and right. so, and supporting it, like, Justin Trudeau, yeah, he did blackface or he did Indian face. Um, he's done all the faces. <laughs> yeah, he's done many faces. So at this point, he might be the most uh, culturally sensitive person out there. <laughs> <laughs> but like, he's not coming out. Like, he's 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 actively doing things to some degree to like prevent, or like he wouldn't come out and support you know racist like white power members. You know what I mean? So like. Mm. Yeah, racism is a nice distraction from the classism that exists. Right. Like, yeah. Like, really, the problem in in all of Western society is, you know, the, um, like the economic divide, and you know, it's easy to uh, play into race politics, and you know, because of course, like the U.S. was built on slavery, so you know, a lot of uh, people of color are in a lower economic uh, bracket, and right. it's easy to get those poor white people up in arms if you. You play to that, but I think the bigger issue, you know, really is going back to like 2008. It's really just, you know, uh, wealth inequality and uh, the talking heads like to kind of grab onto whatever's popular. Right. At the time. It's a lot easier to blame things. Oh, everything's like it's because of racism 
uh, like because then uh, the comp- a company doesn't have to change anything. Yeah, you can just yeah. say like, oh, it's if it, it's like racism is a problem or sexism is a problem, and uh, I'm not saying. And like, those... why did Trump get elected? Because like everybody cares about celebrity and wealth, and that's right. literally what's blasted to us in the media. So it's like, if you if you play off racism, you don't have to deal with the issue that you know everybody's fucking poor and angry. There was so a, give them give them something else to focus their anger on. There is uh, an interesting thing that kind of goes against that. Um, in a way, I didn't do this. I wanted to do this a little little, little while ago, but kind of like the health uh, effects of racism on like the black community. Like right when we were starting to talk about like when Black Lives Matter started, like that whole mm. all these protests. But in part of it, there was some research done that. So we have the things called the determinants of health. There's 12 of them, right? Uh, there's education, there's wealth, there's genetics, there's access to health care. Like, there's 12 things that they can use to pretty much predict how long you're going to live. Mm. And it's, it, it's so, it, it works so well that they can look at communities and they can say, like, okay, people who live here probably live between here and here. And then most people die at those ages. But they notice a crazy trend that, the most educated and wealthiest black women are more likely to have um, premature births or miscarriages than the least educated, poorest white women, which does not make sense. And it's sentiment like a frenzy, like, okay, like this doesn't make, like it shouldn't work like that because wealth is the number one indicator of health. Like, it, like your health and your wealth goes like almost perfectly correlated. So they're looking at this like, why? And so they said, okay, well, it must be something about them being black women. Mm. Genetics. There must be something genetic. Mm. But then they looked at African immigrants. That doesn't exist. But the second generation, their children follow that trend again, where they're having premature births and miscarriages at a much higher rate than anyone else. So the first generation, so it's not a genetic thing. Could it be like uh, epigenetic? You know, where like, depending on like the environment you're raised in, your gen- your genes can like turn on and off? Express, well, what what they came down to is like the stressors uh, from racism. Mm. Uh, and then they looked at like, like having that much uh, like, um, what's the thing that gets amped up? Cortisol? Yeah, cortisol and these things in you actually can trigger uh, like your birth process quicker and all these things. So what through the research, I don't have it all in front of me now. I have it written up somewhere. But they basically found that the most likely cause for this is just the stress from growing up in a racist country, like a country that like watches you in the store all the time. You know, that when you get pulled over the police, you might get shot or you're treated unfairly at the best. You know what I mean? It was just, it was crazy to think that even though wealth is the most important determinant of health, other things can trump it, like in, in those moments. And with black women, it was shown through, through premature deaths of their babies, or pre- premature births. It's pretty dark. It's pretty that's, sad. That's crazy. So anyway, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Killing my buzz, man. Yeah, uh, but you guys want to move into some different sides? Yeah, let's do sure. something happy. All right. <laughs> Science Coda. Science. Science Coda. Science. Science Coda. Science. It's time for Science Coda. Get it all in your 
Alrighty, folks. Uh, so we are talking about a little bit more of a interesting science, but it is also in the realm of health. We're talking about a man named Malcolm McDonald. I'm going to start off with a quote from him. Is that a Nova Scotian name? It's not. Uh, it is from the UK somewhere. Ah, the original um, Nova Scotia. Yeah, the old Scotia. Um, here's, a, here's a quote to start us off. When I saw my penis go black, I was beside myself. It was like a horror film. So this is the story of Malcolm McDonald. I can relate to that. Inventor <laughs> of the cock ring. <laughs> so we have this guy named Malcolm McDonald. And he had uh, an intense sepsis infection uh, in oh. his perineum, which, does anyone know where that is? No. I don't want to know. Also known as the taint. Ooh. It's the area between... Um, That's why they invented the word taint. Yeah, so perineum was, didn't yeah. roll off the tongue too well. Yeah, so the perineum, if you're a male, is between your testicles and your anus. Uh, or if you're a female, is between your vagina and your anus. It's that little stretch of skin between your legs, which is where the troll doll had. <laughs> That's <laughs> where your button circle. is. <laughs> That's where your circle. laugh button is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he pressed his laugh button a little too hard. Yeah. So he had a case of sepsis that caused him to lose his genitalia. But he is, uh, the reason why we're talking about it is not because he lost it, it's because he's getting it back. Hell yeah. Right? That's a happy, that's a happy yeah, ending. Yeah, that's a happy story. Uh, so how Malcolm got his groove back is what we're talking about today. Nice. That should be a movie. Malcolm's middle. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Malcolm's skin the middle. <laughs> so yeah, he is uh, 45 years old, and he's the first one to have a new bionic penis grafted. And where do you think they grafted it? Because it's not fully attached yet. The plumbing's not up. So where, where would you put a penis? Your nose. Your nose just flopping off your face? <laughs> Somewhere discreet, I, I would imagine. <laughs> They're like, hell no. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. We're going to put it on his arm. It's not that discreet. Well, if you wear sweaters. No, it like it's like on his forearm. So like you could wear a sweater, but you can't wear t-shirts or you can't roll up your sleeve or you just have a penis hanging off. Of Why wouldn't they just put it in the same <laughs> place? Yeah, grow it up. Grow it. Because what? for the process for this to work, they they needed the arm. And eventually what? Oh, you mean they took it from? The armor, they put it on the arm. They, they, they kind of formed it into the arm. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> All right, Expl we'll get into explained. it. Explain. <laughs> so he's a mechanic from Norfolk uh, in the UK, and he was supposed to have his new uh, penis attached in 2018, but a series of delays resulted with the genitalia on his arm for the past four years. So he's been walking around with a little... little Wait, so that that was the arm the arm dick was a temporary Yeah, the, yeah. So the arm dick is is temporary. Okay. But but what happened was he kept missing appointments. I I think he might have just enjoyed it too much. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so I things mean, didn't be, line up and then it's COVID, like I can just roll up my sleeve and fuck. <laughs> it's great. Sounds so convenient. So I don't see I don't think it works that way yet, Mark. It's not everything's uh ready to go in that manner. But he does have a penis hanging off his arm. <laughs> and it's not functional. No. Uh yeah, because like like how would it be functional? So can, what's wait, the, what's, so, the, what's uh, the thinking behind can this? Can you can you let it like is he letting is he missing his appointments so it'll grow bigger? <laughs> That's the question. I'm not sure. What is it doing on his arm? It's like, so I'm we'll going to let it, it grow gonna... for a couple more years. <laughs> I'm going to get I want the it. Ron Jeremy elbow penis. 
the three pe- arms. The penis was created by Professor David Ralph, who was a consultant urologist at the University College London Hospitals. Shout out David Ralph. Yeah. There you go, man. My boy. Uh, who specializes in penile reconstruction. He told Mr. McDonald the procedure would take up to two years. Speaking to the son, Mr. McDonald said he was elated to have the chance at a new start. Of course, like your penis fell off. Like It's not like it even had to be removed. His penis just fell off of his body. And he hoped it would boost his self-confidence, which I think, of course, having a new penis would do that. Um, as well as enable him to do simple things like use the bathroom. So So far, so good. Yeah. (laughs) You haven't lost me yet. So the procedure involved taking... So this is where we get into the the deets. Uh, They took a flap of skin containing blood vessels and nerves from his left arm, and then they rolled it up into a phallic shape. Um, That's what I was asking, because I was confused if they they took it off of the elbow or if they put it onto the elbow. Yeah, so no, they incorporated it in. So like they took the skin from that area... um, (laughs) So that it would have nerves, it would have blood. And then eventually they're going to, okay. Remove it from there. I'm starting to understand that. So to your point, he's growing the the Ron Jeremy over time. Yeah, he's waiting. He wants to put more time. He's just watering the. (laughs) I don't don't think it just keeps growing and growing and growing the longer it's there. Like once it's there, it's just kind of there. You're just waiting to have it. Separated from those blood vessels and right. attached to the ones, and then the he, he he probably like did a few bar tricks. People got <laughs> excited. He's like, "I'm getting a lot of attention from yeah. this elbow dick." Yeah, so. more confidence. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, why have it? Why have a dick in the normal place when you can have it on your arm? How many chicks have you know been with a guy that's you know? Yeah, that's probably in his Tinder profile. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you got to stand out in today's world. You know? That's true. They call it peacocking. <laughs> or in this case, I guess, pee-elbowing. Yeah. So they roll it into a phallic shape, and then they created a urethra uh, and inserted two tubes connected to a pump that would allow Mr. McDonald to achieve a mechanical erection. Now, how did they make the urethra? I hope they didn't use plastic straws because I'm very environmentally conscious. I doubt it was that. Okay. Uh, I don't know the materials, but... Uh, but I'm hoping that the mechanical maybe like a, maybe like a sausage, like a pig intestine, or something. But Uns, I, unsalted. I think the mechanical uh, erection you can actually like pump something like like mm. those old shoes, uh, and then you can pump up. That's 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 so sexy. Pump, pump it up. You're 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 about to get it on with a lady, and you're like, just hold on one second. The shaft on the new penis was then detached from the forearm. So, like, it was growing, like, parallel to his forearm. Right. And then they cut it away, so it just started hanging. Dangling. Right? Um, and then it starts to grow, like, more of the skin and tissue on its own. Like, now it becomes its own little entity. Wow. But then, so now he's at the stage where it's just dangling, but, like, he hasn't been able to get the operation to uh, right. add it to his genital area. It's like so, a really big skin flap. Yeah. Dr. Scholes don't even know what to do with that. <laughs> So he lost his penis, as I said, after uh, he had a perineum infection, which then spread to his extremities. And I just found that uh, this quote from him is just so surreal. Because if you think about your just your, your penis just falling off, he was left, quote, completely gutted after his penis dropped off onto the floor. No pun intended. Yeah. That's brutal, man. And that was in 2014. Yeah, it's, it's awful. That's like the scariest thing. So it, it spread to like his fingers and his toes and turned them black. And then he saw his penis turn black. And then it just fell off. Wow. 
Which, like, I just, I don't know, like, why wouldn't you have gone to the hospital sooner? Oh, how long, how long did it take? I, it doesn't say in the article, but, like. It wasn't instant. Your, your penis just wouldn't go, like, black. Right. You know, like, it would start doing weird things. And, like, your fingers and toes are already getting weird. Like, and maybe there's nothing they could do yeah, for maybe. it. But, but I feel like I would have. It just, he says it so nonchalantly, like, yeah, it turned black and it fell off. I was pretty gutted about it, but. Well, I mean, depends how he said gutted. He could have been, like, weeping. <laughs> no, British, British people was... use gutted for, like, anything yeah. that's, yeah. you know, yeah, upset. Right. Um, yeah. But so, for two years after losing his penis, his life fell apart, which is understandable, until he met Professor Ralph. When it came time to reattach the penis to his groin area, uh, he was unwell, so we had the, they had to postpone the surgery. And then there's another couple complications with scheduling, and then it became corona. So yeah, now he's had this uh, this penis just hanging off his arm for like years now, and he's just waiting to get it reattached. Picks or it didn't happen. <laughs> no, there is a pick. It's blurred. Oh out. God, I don't want to see that. <laughs> I do. You, you can't. You can't see it. Um, well, you can't see that. Anyway. Oh God. But uh, like it's, you can see where it's dangling from. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't. Well, I get. Did they blur more of that image just for like? Because he was like, they blur the arm. Yeah, because they kind of like. It's not like an extremely large penis. I think a, it's it's a it's a functional penis. But he hasn't. He's they, not pumping it either. I hope so. they. I hope they didn't give him like a micro penis. Yeah. That would just be like an insult to injury. Yeah, jokes on you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, shouldn't be making fun of him. So yeah, he is. Uh, uh, he was gutted. The first man with a uh, bionic penis. Oh yeah. Yeah. That sounds cool. Bionic penis. <laughs> I the mean, first man in the world with a bionic penis. <laughs> if he were a superhero, what, what, what would he be called? He'd be called... Bionic penis. Bionic penis, man. <laughs> I got nothing. I got... Iron dick? I don't know. <laughs> That's rough, man. If I lost my dick, I, I think I would just kill myself immediately. The penile patriot. <laughs> But the Coming good news to theaters is, near you. is that there are other people, I'm sure, that have lost genitalia due to illness or accidents or even, like, people transitioning. Um, yeah. I want to transition to having a dick on both arms <laughs> and, keep my current, trident? and keep my current one. Yeah. Um, be trident but, penis, man. <laughs> it is. I mean, I'm still trying to be a little technical here, gentlemen. I mean, the the advancements are really interesting and and bode well for the future yeah well i so mean explain this pump thing though. like can How he yeah because can, can he feel anything in there well you know they took nerves and skin from his arm so there is nerves but i think the arm nerves and like the nerves on a penis are, are obviously different yeah. yeah so arm nerves are a lot you're not less. gonna if someone's like stroking my arm i i don't you know i don't <laughs> exactly get super excited yeah but um but there is feeling to some degree i mean okay they're doing the best they can with what they got no, does he still have balls? Still like, can they it hook? didn't get into his testicles. Okay, so can they hook it up? We are do getting the very te- technical. Do they have the t- yeah. Well, man, this is science corner. Yeah. True. Yeah. I try to keep it above board. Okay. You two dogs <laughs> we're, are just we're, in we're, the gutter. We're failing right now. <laughs> All right, yeah, that's interesting. I have no questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love questions. Next but, uh, topic. <laughs> let's move on. It's hard to keep this one fr- fr- uh, family friendly. This yeah. is fine. I mean, it is what it is. His penis fell off and they grew in one, so yeah, you know what you're getting with that. Um, yeah, if your parents took your troll doll away, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast anyway. 
I thought I thought we oh no, we didn't come up with a solution for that. So Josh, um we were playing ping pong earlier, right? We were. And you mentioned uh a word. What was the word? Is a Buddhist uh, kind of teaching or Buddhist group? Shamalama. Shamalama ding, 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 ding. No. <laughs> what was it though? I got to... <laughs> close. Shambhala. Shambhala. What's is... the one? So what is what is what is Shambhala? So I think I'm no expert, but basically it means enlightened society, and it's a Tibetan word. Okay. Now. What does because um, I ask you if you if you practice Buddhism or um, Shambhala, and you said that you have some experience with it, but like your family was really into it in the in the day. And... Yeah, so basically, the backstory is it started with this guy who was fleeing from the he was part of the you know Tibetan prosecution. Okay. That was happening in like uh I think the seventies, sixties and seventies. Uh along with the Dalai Lama. And so this guy, Chugyam Trimpa Rinpoche, they called him. He basically eventually came over to England, I think, at first, and then started, you know, learning English, and then he came to the States and basically he started spreading, you know, uh, Buddhism to, you know, North America at a time when, you know, it was the 70s. There was a lot of wild ideas yeah, going around. Uh, People were... <laughs> free love was the 60s, That's right, bro. free love, hippie movement, all that stuff. People it was the were, 70s free acid. Yeah. Yeah, I don't it, think it, was 60s, all, it all wrapped in together. But yeah, yeah like, especially East, Eastern kind of ideals really crept into society in the 60s, 70s. Yeah, so this was, this was in the 60s, I think, late 60s, he started uh, teaching here. And, yeah, so it was, you know, it, it kind of started as, like, a small thing, and then I guess it got really popular. And, um, you know, my my dad kind of told me a little bit about it, you know, because he, he grew up, like, um, in, like, the Bay Area, in the 60s. Well, he didn't grow up there, but he was there, like, you know, getting his PhD at Stanford. So Bay Area is uh, San Fran, right? Yeah, San Francisco. Okay. Like, yeah, that area. And, um, yeah, so he was looking into different things. I think he got into, like, some uh, Indian, like, uh, Hindu, basically just, like, ver- looking into various Eastern. So he, he was a hugs, not drugs kind of guy. Is, yeah, is that a thing? I think I think so. I think that was a thing in the Bay Area. I mean, I think he also did drugs. Too. Yeah, there was okay. like hugs and drugs. Yeah, I think hugs he was. He was, he, he was for all of it. But he, <laughs> I know he wasn't a huge fan of hippies, or he had some issues with hippies. Um, you know, hippies at the time I think were, um, Smelly like pretty and... radical. Well, I, I, you know, it's like a spectrum, I guess. But anyway, he got into this this uh tibetan buddhism and uh he was he was into it so yeah so they you know they started a center um in originally colorado okay. um rocky mountains um it's a good spot especially for meditation and stuff surrounded by the mountains and the forest yeah yeah so i think it was um 
Reminds you of a good old Tibet, you know, a mountainous region. Right, very similar, similar uh, climate, atmosphere. Um, yeah, so so they have a, a, like originally their their center in, in America was Boulder, and then some point in the eighties, um, this guy uh, Chigim Trumpa was like, "We got to start another center, and it's got to be in Halifax, Nova Scotia, because it's like." You know, no mountains. <laughs> it's totally, <laughs> totally different. But for some reason, yeah, he liked he liked the place, and that's actually how my parents ended up here. So that's kind of, you know, my my origin story. But the 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 Shambhala term, you know, it was a word that, um, that was a part of this 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 practice. This like you know, basically all of Tibetan Buddhism. But um, basically, my understanding is. They called their like sect of Buddhism Shambhala at some point. I'm not sure if it was during his um, period of teaching it, or if because he basically what happened was um, he actually died um, fairly young, I think in his 50s or something, because he was like a raging alcoholic. And um, as most Buddhists are, is that Buddhist <laughs> practice? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, so he, so so, you know, I, I think they make great. Belgian beer is that? Uh, That's uh, are monks. They Christian monks, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's um, it's along with any good cult. Although you know, many people would argue it's not a cult, but you know, it's got some culty elements to it. It's got that kind of uh, let's say eccentric, you know, wild cult leader. Yeah. Um, this this guy, yeah, he was apparently he was like. Uh, an alcoholic and like a womanizer and all these things but he was also like extremely charismatic and you know my parents were just like you know this is the guy and a lot of people felt the same way about him so he definitely had a very powerful presence and you you know i watch videos of him and you can kind of see you know um i don't know if you've met like tibetan monks before but they're you know they, they a lot of them have this kind of you know, very aura about them. Yeah. You know, that's uh, pretty, kind of pretty magnetic. Pretty fly for some mountain guys. Exactly. <laughs> that, that's that's how they describe him. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but then basically what happened was, so I think he died in the 80s. There's also another controversy with him. Well, there's a bunch of controversy with, like, you know, a bunch of stories, kind of like, you know, crazy things he would do. Like, apparently, there's this one couple that you know, were pressured into taking off their clothes one night. So he would basically just, like, get drunk and, like, have these, like, kind of wild parties. Yeah. Um, and so one night, you know, he told this couple they have to, like, get naked in front of everyone, almost like a test or something. And they didn't want to do it. They felt uncomfortable. And so then apparently people, like, chased them around the house and, like, it got pretty nuts. And then they, like, fled for their lives. And I don't know the details, but there were, there were a bunch of their pants. <laughs> fled so for some clothes. Would, would this be while he was in Halifax? No, or? no, no. Oh, yeah. So I think he only was alive for a couple years when people had moved to Halifax. Um, but it was it was continued on with his son, um, who they call the Sokyong. And the Sokyong is, you know, up until this point, he was basically the one running the show. Okay. So, you know, he grew up with this kind of crazy... Um, childhood and um, 
uh, another kind of big controversy with um, the original guy, Jogim Trumpra, is that he had this kind of like right hand man who I think they call him like the Vajrayana, and he was gay. I think he was a, he was American, and apparently he had AIDS and thought because of his like Buddhism or something that he like couldn't spread it. Okay, yeah. If so I can just, control my body and my mind, I can right. not give you my AIDS. Yeah, that's perfect logic, right? Yeah. Um, so I have total control of my mind, and I've not given AIDS to anybody. Right there, you go. But I don't, you probably I, I, you probably don't have. I that. don't have AIDS. Yeah. <laughs> Can't prove that you don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So that was you know a lot of controversy. But, you know, the, the institution continued on, um, you know, it grew in popularity. And by the time I was a kid, you know, there's a Shambhala Center in Halifax. Okay. And there's one in New York. There's one in Toronto. You know, it's spread all over North so America. So it is quite, yeah, quite a large organization. Oh, yeah. So, you know, when I was a kid, it was just whatever. I would go to the Shambhala Center. You know, I'd run around the basement, like, having pillow fights with friends while, you know, the adults upstairs did, like, the boring, you know, Buddhist stuff. Yeah, it's like going to youth group if you're a, a yeah. Your parents Christian are upstairs uh, praying the rosary, or yeah. Your, I think or, I think Ben and I both know about that. You know, growing up in like Christian households, you yeah right. But it, I think I would say from my perspective, he was even more lax because you know there was very little like they they didn't push anything onto onto us um, in terms of like you know there's no. Like, you know, Sunday school equivalent. There was no, I didn't have to like do anything with regards to, to Buddhism. So, uh, you know, for, for the most part, I kind of stayed stayed out of it. I, and yeah, then, yeah. You're basically at like, you're at free daycare for Buddhist kids. Yeah. Right. Um, and then recently, like I think maybe five or six years ago, um, there was a big, you know, along with the Me Too movement, yeah. there was all of a sudden this huge, um, like scandal that broke out, and uh, essentially what it boiled down to was like some people at the top of this Shambhala institution, including the Sakyong primarily, who was the, the 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 leader, the son of the OG, right? Yeah. Um, basically, a lot of allegations came out in terms of like in the, in the line of sexual assaults and you know all this kind of misconduct and stuff, and you know like. Generally, I don't want to say that happens to all, you know, hierarchies. No, no religious power. organization <laughs> is free from that. Right. It's, it's sort of a typical, you know, like I can't, I can't say that I was surprised by it, but yeah. it was really, what's kind of interesting was there was this kind of divide in the, in the establishment. There was sort of like the, you know, the progressive sect, which were like the people that were all about like the Sakyong. And like, because he, he kind of started changing things, I guess. Um, again, I'm not super familiar because I, w- I wasn't really a part of it. But my understanding is he he basically went away to meditate for a year and came back and, and was like, you know, this is how, how things are done. And if you don't call, you know, almost like kind of like very like super social justice warrior kind of, you know, this is the way we, you know. This is the these are the words we got to use, and this is the way we got to do things now. And yeah, so he it, found the tablets and he laid down the law, basically, and it created a rift. And what was interesting was that, like, you know, 
people in my family, like, you know, my my dad was kind of more on the old school side of things, and then my sister was kind of more on the progressive side of things. So it created a bit bit of a rift. And then all of these allegations came out, and then the whole institution just basically fell apart. Yeah, that's interesting because um, I, I spent a lot of time in Baltimore, Maryland, and um, twice I encountered people who said, oh, you're from Nova Scotia. You know, that's where the, the Shambhala Center is. I thought that was very strange because I knew nothing about the Shambhala Center. You know, you and I have been friends for probably the last eight, nine years, and I had never, I mean, you and I, like, in in talking to each other, we never really discussed this, but I kept hearing this thing about the Shambhala Center, and it turns out, you know, a lot of Americans don't even know where Nova Scotia is on a map, but um, those who those who have gone through this, you know, upbringing, they, they know where the Shambhala Center is. They know there's one in Halifax. And until the controversy came up, I never... You know, I never really asked anybody about it. Um, but I, I work with a guy, you know, who grew up in the, in the center, and he left after the, the whole controversy happened mm. recently. And, you know, he's still a devout Buddhist, but um, I, I think it shook a lot of people because, you know, you realize once once these things become institutionalized and once you put someone in this position of power, I mean, like I said, no no religious group or really no institution is uh is exempt from this kind of thing you know you you put you put any man in power and of course he's gonna do some fucked up shit well it's it's, i mean it's that idea of absolute power corrupting right yeah um so how was like the leader the original or his son like how was he viewed was he like the ultimate teacher or was he a prophet or was he uh like what was his authority over the group? Um, well, my understanding is, you know, like I said, he had a lot of charisma. So people were definitely, you know, there was definitely that like feeling of like wanting to be around him. And, um, you know, I, I think there's also a part that like, It, you know, when, when when these scandals come out, it, it's always a very, it, it seems like a very black and white, oh, he just abused them, and oh, he just, like, ex, like used his power. But there's also, you know, there's always two sides of it where there's also, like, you know, people wanting to be close to him, you know, because mm-hmm. there's that sense of, and then it's like, oh, well, you know, so part of it is that maybe you're being, you know, abused, but then also you're being seduced, and so you feel like, you know, it's that natural like celebrity. I mean, right. it, it's not. It's not. Um, you you don't need to be like a religious figure to to experience that, right? That's yeah. like that's how the world runs. Yeah. So I I think well so at, at least at this point they they at least claim that it's not about the man. You know, it's about the the teachings. Yeah, like the that's ideals, yeah. that's that's sort of what. Was he, he basically he you know he wrote a bunch of books and um you know so at least like the people that are are following the old school you know original sort of set of ideas they really try to you know not make it about about the man but then you know it's a little bit hypocritical because they also have you know like I went to a retreat 
couple years ago. Um, that was sort of part of the part of the old old tradition because um, they kind of wanted to separate once this whole like scandal came out. And um, or I think that might have even bef- even before the scandal because there was a rift before the before the all the allegations. So yeah, between the old and the new. Kind yeah. Of. So 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 the old kind of generation were kind of doing their own thing, and um, you know they have they have pictures of of like the the, the monks everywhere. So it's you know they they claim on the one hand that it's you know all about the ideas and like you know practicing and, and all this stuff, um, but at the same time. You know, it's it's hard to, it's kind of like the, the 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 person kind of becomes in a sense the symbol, right, for whatever the teachings are in a sense. So, yeah, it's um, it, it is like to me, what's fascinating is the fact that he was an alcoholic and a womanizer, and yet people, you know, when I talked to my dad about it, for example, he would say like, oh, well, he was like, you know, he was a he he had his flaws. Is the way he described it. Yeah. Like, you know, for me, it's like, okay, if I'm going to be following some person that's that's supposedly like espousing some grand philosophy that you know has all the answers, and they're dealing with such a like, you know, I mean, he was a serious alcoholic. Like, yeah, it was bad. Um, if 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 like you can't, you know, it's kind of like getting advice from like a doctor who's like you know not taking care you know yeah like, like not, smoking not, like <laughs> yeah. two packs a day right. drinking pepsi at every meal like yeah it's like dr nick on the simpsons or something <laughs> like you don't really want to take advice from him right and and why why put these people into you know like quote unquote sainthood if they're uh you know not saints yeah they're just There's people, people yeah. everybody's flawed so yeah like through all this, like, so your so your family came to Halifax for this cause, right? Yep. So, um, how did like this whole like the revela- uh, revelations of, of of the the top of it being corrupt or whatever? Mm-hmm. How did that affect like your father, or your sister, or those people? Yeah, well, like I said, my you know my dad was already sort of distancing himself from the Shambhala community in Halifax. Um, Cause I think he, he kind of saw that, that the direction was not in line with, you know, sort of the original ideals or the original vision. Um, and then, but my sister was still pretty into it, I think. Um, and then when this came, yeah, her along with a lot of other young people, I think were pretty devastated um, because you know, I think there was a large community of the um, the Shambhala religion were were were, were young. That it was there was, was like a pretty large, especially like I, I remember, remember when I went uh, to the New York Center. Um, there was like a lot of really young um, kids that were sort of getting into it, and you know, so they were trying to. I think there was like kind of a push to, you know, help try to appeal to the younger generation. And then when this, all this came out, you know, just like on, you know, Facebook and all the, all the chats and everything, there are a lot of people who are like, just like, you know, totally distraught. And, you know, it's tough because they still want the thing to survive, but it's, 
you know, you just find out that it's like, you know, totally corrupt and what do you, what do you do? It's, it's not even clear. I don't even know exactly what, what the state is now, but, uh, I, I just look, they're still open in Halifax. Like there is a right. Shambhala center. Yeah. I actually went there. Um, I think this, this last winter, um, they did like a, you know, little, uh, ceremony there. Um, yeah. So, so there, there is still like, you know, because like any religion, it, it provides people with community. Yeah. And so, you know, people wanted to like, just because there were like these, you know, unfortunate yeah, like the things. Catholic Church is still running, right. right? Yeah. So it's still, yeah, it's still going. I don't know exactly what this, what's happening. I don't think like the, um, the Sakyang, the leader. I don't, I don't think he's like exactly um, apologized properly. Like okay, probably, yeah. probably like the, the institution itself like gave out some formal, you know, bullshit kind of. Like, yeah, but he's not coming out and taking responsibility. Or... I don't think so, but I, I haven't I haven't followed it for a while. So, okay. yeah. but suffice to say, like my sister, she's not really part of it anymore. Yeah. So she, th- this might be off kilter, but how do they feel about the uh, Shambhala Music Festival in BC, <laughs> <laughs> and why is it named that? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, because I mean that seems like I, I don't I don't know about uh, their views on like you know bass music and drug use but <laughs> i mean that just goes along with all all the music festivals like burning man where they just appropriate cultures from everywhere and right. they wear Indian yeah but is that an, is is the shambhala music festival like an appropriation of buddhist well, culture or where does or that they come just from? Took a word. i think they just took a word yeah, yeah. i think it's just uh, because the word itself just you know it, it comes up in in um like buddhist scripture as like it basically means you know and it's sort of like a society that you can imagine if everyone were enlightened, basically. Yeah. Like if everyone were, sort of did the right so, thing. So they were just on GoDaddy and they're like, let's find a really enlightening <laughs> domain name. Like, right. yo, shamblamusic.com Shambla, is available. Bro. Yeah. Enlightenmusic.com is taken and they want $2,000 for it. Fuck that, bro. Shambla. Let's translate um, it. I guess my last question, um, what was expected of, like, your family being part of this community? Like, uh, what was expected of your family? Like, how was kind of, like, family life? Like, how much did Shambhala play a part of your family life? You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, like I said, you know, my parents were super hands-off. So, you know, from my perspective, I kind of knew, like, what Buddhism was and, like, you know, but day-to-day there wasn't really um much of an impact probably you know what it did for me was it got me you know i I was aware at a young age of you know these things like meditation and buddhism um it's sort of hard to appreciate at the time um because you know the 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 nice thing about or, or or what was nice about the shambhala community is that they sort of they let anyone in it wasn't like you know you're converting to that like you can still be jewish you can still be christian and you can still go to the you know so they had they were you could almost say it's like an effective strategy because anyone can just come in and like you know take classes and like learn about 
but it like Shambhala. So is it more like being a Freemason than like yeah. converting to a different religion? It is, but then you know there's 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 varying levels. So like you know my parents, you know to go to these things, to go to these events, you know they they always ask for like donations. So I think my like my parents, you know, for most of my childhood were like donating monthly, you know, a, a reasonable, I don't know, like a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks or something. So, you know, to, to keep the thing alive, because that's ultimately what they run on were, yeah. were donations. Yeah. But in terms of my family life, no, I mean, they did have a, a, a um, summer camp, actually, um, that I went to when I was, like, pretty young, like 10. Um, and, we, you know, we did some meditation there and, like, but that was, you know, did you play fun games and shit too, like a real like summer camp, or was it? Yeah, no, yeah, oh, yeah. It, was, it was like a normal. Yeah, yeah it, was, it wasn't camp. like a weird. Yeah, I went to Christian summer camp. We had prayer time. Yeah, I was at right. Wapameo. We looked down on his summer camp. Yeah, that's <laughs> all right. Heathen, so... you sinner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you went to the the less fun summer camp. I had a great time at Catholic summer camp. Yeah, I know, but you were a weird kid. No regrets. <laughs> yeah, but... no, it was super fun actually. Um, I didn't understand meditation. Like, I, I never really got meditation until, you know, I became an adult. And then it kind of made sense, like, what it's about. I feel like that'd be hard as a kid. Super. <laughs> like, yeah, like, as a kid, you don't, like, you don't have the overwhelming anxiety right. of being an, an not, adult. Not only do you have, like, the lack of, like, discipline and, like, you know, attention to actually meditate, but you don't have any, like, reason to meditate. Yeah, it's really. Like you know, just go like catch butterflies. Right. Yeah. Like you're as a kid, you're just like meditating all the time. Yeah, you're like <laughs> always just in the moment, like present, like right. enjoying. Yeah, you were literally life. a little ADHD meditator. Yeah. Running it's around. Like I, I do appreciate all the world's bounties and being one with everything. And and a lot of um, the uh, the kind of. Um, the the ideas of the of Chugyam at the beginning were about kind of returning back to that kind of childlike um, mindset. Um, yeah, that sense of wonder. Yeah, and just openness, and you know, not being so rigid. And I mean, he had some really good ideas. Like he had, he wrote you know a book that he, he wrote that was like early and, and really popular was about. Um, I think it was called cutting through um, spiritual materialism, which is basically about like how to avoid just doing like going on a spiritual journey, but like kind of going through the motions and like, you know, racking up like spiritual points. Yeah. And actually like, like an arcade. Right. Yeah. I got 12 points for praying. Do, do you think it was because he was drunk all the time and racking up credit card debt? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. He's like, fuck, I need some way to pay this shit off. I know. Yeah, fuck. I'll, I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just become spiritually enlightened. Yeah, write this Ra book. Yeah, yeah racking, this book. racking up all this fucking debt. Might as well no, rack up some spiritual points. No, it's cool. Yeah, I knew nothing about it, so I really appreciate hearing it. I, I didn't know there was such a close connection here in Nova Scotia. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, and all jokes aside, it does sound like sounds like a good concept. Well, it's it's funny because um, you know they call it what they call us Dharma kids or Dharma brats. Actually, is okay. the term that's like you know. I people. always 
you know, when I met you, I was like, that's a brat right there. Yeah. A Dharma brat. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but if they made a brat stall, if they made a Buddhist brat stall, that's you, Josh. Yeah. But they wouldn't put the tickle button where they put it on the troll. No, the tickle button's on the top of the head. No, it's the third eye. Yeah. Mm. Ooh. Now we're getting deep. <laughs> <laughs> but they they always make fun of the Dharma brat. Like, the, the sort of stereotype of a, of a Dharma brat is like, they're almost like trying to be enlightened. Like they like give you these very intense, like oh hello, you know, oh, that, like all that kind of, vapid, weird, like kind of culty, yeah. Like I'm, yeah. Like, I'm like I'm like I'm like I get Hi. I get it, you know. Yeah, Hi, I avoid Mark. I avoid people like that. Peace with you. Like not that extreme, okay. <laughs> but definitely, you know, if you meditate a lot, you can kind of get into that zone where you're just like so unemployable. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think we got to end it there yeah okay. well I really appreciate you being candid about that uh, that's something I never knew about and um, yeah it's really interesting thank you very much you're welcome no problem alrighty folks and that <laughs> that wraps up everything we had to talk to you about tonight my name is Ben Drew I want to thank Josh and Mark for joining me tonight on a great conversation about politics and disease and arms full of penises i just want to make everybody to remember that you can look us up on social media leave us a review on facebook or most importantly please please just leave us a review on apple Podcasts. it means so much to us and it actually does a lot for the podcast and also you can check us out on twitter and instagram all right i want to say everybody have a good night and take care